Wow, man, it's really the the dog days of summer, isn't it? You can't start every single summer episode with that. It's really that we are actually in the dog days of summer, though. It has specific relevance to this episode. Okay, how's that? Because nothing's happening in video games, so it was very hard for me to pick a story, Liam. Oh, it was hard for me to pick a story because I'm lazy. Yeah, I mean that is true. That I'm lazy, or that it's hard to pick a story. In both. Yeah, Why that's can't fair. It be both. It is both. <laughs> We're recording from the Major Cast Studios. Studio. I mean, I'm gonna get some uh, soundproofing on these walls, but yeah, it's gonna be a little echoey still. But yeah. you know, we're still we're still getting all of the installation going on. Big funds, big funds going on here at Major oh, yeah. Cast. We've got uh, workers coming in and out, just yeah, hammering away at you, iron you've bars. You've been dying to know what we've been spending all these fat stacks of podcast money on. Oh, yeah. And it's all this sweet installation it's, of styrofoam and rubber. And uh, uh, adobe brick. That's a real thing that Steve Albini uses in his studio. That's a drum room. It's a bad name for a thing. Uh, I think it's before the company. So I think I think the company took their name from the brick, hmm. which is very dumb. Yeah. A very dumb thing. Anyways, what is this show that this we do? is Media Majors. It is. It's a podcast about media and storytelling and friendship. My name is Liam Sr., and I tell a tale about movies and television and show business. I think I'm just going to say show business from now on. Sure, and I'm Tom Lockney, and I tell stories from the worlds of video games and internet culture. And each week we tell each other a story from our preferred mediums to try and, you know, excite each other, blow each other's mind. <laughs> excite each other? I didn't like that. Hmm, maybe. And this week it was very hard to pick a story because nothing is happening. So, <laughs> In our lives. Yeah. And so, because we're busy, and because there's no video, big video game releases going on or also, anything like that. We looked at episode fifty-three. Holy shit! And in five days from now, when we're recording, yeah, is the anniversary of the first episode. So this is kind of our year one lap. <laughs> that hurt everybody's ears, probably, but it's okay. It's a yeah. year one lap. So this week, the theme that we picked to center our stories around was uh, the down movie to, Year One. Down to the wire. Down to the down to the wire. I like that as the name of our theme. Yeah. All right. And Liam, I believe you're going first this week. April fifteenth. I'm not gonna yell it. In 1912, an unsinkable ship sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Oh shit! That's the exact opposite of what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Boy, was there egg on their face oh, that boy. day. Because uh, the kitchen probably went upside down. <laughs> the RMS Titanic was a British passenger line and the largest ship afloat at the time of its maiden voyage. An estimated 2,224 passengers and crew aboard the ship and more than 1,500 died, making it one of the deadliest commercial peacetime maritime disasters, maritime disasters <laughs> in modern history. When the lookout sighted the iceberg, it was unable to turn quick enough and basically the iceberg just like gutted the ship open and yeah well i saw the movie i know exactly what happened on the titanic right William. so there were these 12 don't patronize sorry, me there were these um 16 compartments that were like used to float the boat and the boat needed at least four to stay afloat i mean whatever and this iceberg fucking was like <laughs> nah i'm picking all them motherfuckers off no so the evacuation system was also 
fucked because mm-hmm. one, the lifeboats were only designed to like guide passengers to another vessel, not to hold passengers. Mm-hmm. So those started to sink. Wait, but in order yeah. to guide to another boat, it still needs to be able to hold them, but right? not for like a long time because they were out deep into the uh, uh, ocean. There was also poor management of the evacuation. A lot of boats were launched before they were full just because people were, were scared and, like, didn't take it seriously. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, over 1,000 passengers and crews were still crew were still on board as the ship sank. Everyone who jumped immediately perished because of the effects of hypothermia. The water was yeah. super cold. The RMS Carpathia arrived on the scene an hour and a half after, after the sinking, and it rescued all that it could by the morning of April 15th nine and a half hours after the collision boy howdy liam yep. really starting this one off on a high note uh the disaster caused widespread outrage over the lack of lifeboats the lax regulations because the driver of the boat was drunk at the time it's oh apparently yeah, they, there was some drinking this like, was like the 1910s like nobody gave a fuck everybody was drunk at work all the time uh it led to a huge reboot of maritime regulation and the establishment of the International Convention for the Safety of Life at Sea, which still governs maritime safety today. Yeah, sea law. It was a tragedy to say the least, and it's the perfect backdrop for the glamour of cinema. Oh, boy. That's right. Did you know, Tom, that there are not one, not two, not three, but so many movies made about the Titanic? We're going to look at all of the Titanic movies. So My God. Qualifiers, these are movies with fictional stories set on the Titanic. There are, like, TV series about the building of the Titanic, like, as a drama. Boring. Oh, boy. And uh, documentaries and all this dumb stuff. That sounds like that television show, Will, that is just, like, trying to dramatize. Sexy Shakespeare. Yeah, Shakespeare, whom fucks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. So we're going to go through all the ones I can find Excellent. So in 1912, there was Saving from the Titanic, a silent film starring Dorothy Gibson, an actress who was a survivor of the Titanic. And it was a a dramatization of her experiences, premiering in the U.S. 29 days after the Titanic sank. She co-wrote the script herself, and she played a fictionalized version of herself. Uh, The plot involves her recounting the story of the disaster to her fictional parents and fictional fiancé with footage interspersed with stock footage of icebergs and the ship's captain, Edward Smith. The film was released internationally and attracted a lot of positive reviews, but then was lost in a fire two years later and is known as one of the lost silent films because it was apparently quite good. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's very strange. It sounds more exploitative. It was Gibson's penultimate film because afterwards she suffered a mental breakdown. I can and imagine. retired from acting. That's, oh boy. There's a 1953 movie called Titanic, directed by Jean Negalesco, or Jean Negalesco. And it's just about the Titanic, and it's apparently pretty okay. A Night to Remember. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. It's a 1958. It sure is, Liam. It's a 1958 British drama adaption of Walter Lord's 1955 book, which recounts the final night of the RMS Titanic. Uh, it stars a bunch of British people, and basically it was a huge smash when it came out, and up until the 1997 movie, it was considered, like, the best filmed version of the Titanic. Is 
do people just really like the Titanic? Well, that's why I started talking about how fucked up the whole tragedy was because for some reason people keep coming back to the ship yeah, they keep... to set their stories about love and poverty and always about classism. They love they love to to hear about poor people drowning on a boat, apparently. In 1980, an adventure film called Raise the Titanic, directed by a guy named Jerry Jameson. Great name. Uh, the story concerns a plan to recover the RMS Titanic due to the fact that it's carrying cargo valuable to Cold War hege- he- hegemony. I think so, yeah. Hegemony. And it stars Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, Alec Guinness. Oh, boy. Uh, Titanic is a 1997 American epic romance disaster film. James Cameron made it. He did a bunch of stuff with the computer. Leonardo in, DiCaprio. He Kate Winslet, King of the World. It won all the awards. It's it about is classism. It's the, bad. It is the greatest film I've ever seen with mine own two eyes. The worst. <laughs> and then there's Titanic 2, a 2010 low-budget disaster film. I'm the king of the world! Yep, that yep. happened in the movie. Oh, boy. You know what else happened in the movie? What? Billy Zane is like abusive person in it yeah people don't talk about that yeah that's fucking weird yeah you know what okay hang on a second everybody shut the fuck up because we didn't spend nearly enough time on james cameron's the titanic i wanted to breeze through it because i hate it Uh, it's too bad because now we're in it now now i've got my claws sunk into james um (laughs) (laughs) like they're catherine bigelow yep there is a near suicide in that movie that nobody seems to care about and because love, Tom. He's stopped by love. Even though he, there's so much room for him on the door. And that, and that, you know what? A hundred people have said this, but you know what? I need to add my voice to the chorus. That lady drops that super precious diamond in the ocean <laughs> at the end so of it. so dumb. What the fuck, lady? Put your kids through college with that, you dumb yeah. shit. Titanic 2 is a 2010 low budget Donate the fucking film. money to charity. And it's distribu- distributed by future media major story, The Asylum. Oh, who what? Are, who are based in Los Angeles and I've Wait. driven by their uh, studio. Wait, did they make a Titanic, Titanic horror two. movie? Yeah. Holy fucking shit. Um, can we watch it? Like right now? Yeah, stop the podcast. <laughs> no, we can totally watch it. Awesome. I love it. It was released direct to TV in Australia and was on the Sci Fi channel. Of course it was. Now for the animated ones. Oh, boy. So this is where things are going to get a little bit kooky. Yeah. So how many animated Titanic movies do you think there are? If I had to uh, stake my life on it, yeah. I would say seven? No, three. Oh, okay. They are all Italian. I guess, I, I guess you legally have to kill me now. I do. They are all Italian, and mm. they... Which means that you know it's going to be the peak of filmmaking. They are also all feature anthropomorphic animals, oh, just like awesome. the real Titanic. Awesome. <laughs> uh, number one, The Legend of Titanic, or La Legenda del Titanic, is a 1999 Italian animated film directed by Orlando Corradi and Kim J. O.K. <laughs> Maybe Kim J. He off. sure is. Uh, the film is a very loose adaptation of the sinking of the RMS Titanic. Really? You don't you don't say, Liam. We'll get to why. You see, in April 1912, Connors, a young sailor mouse on Titanic's maiden voyage from Southampton to New York, see, he's in charge of taking account for all the mice who are making the trip. There's a young mouse from Brazil named Ronnie who enjoys playing soccer, and he befriends Connors, and Connor falls in love with Ronnie's sister, Stella, another mouse. 
Um, and then they sing, there are no cats in America. Yep. Meanwhile, a rich aristocratic woman named Elizabeth and her family board the Titanic. Her father is a famous duke in prominent in the whaling business. Mm. So, like, super cool dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they have arranged for Elizabeth to marry Everard Maltravers, a rich whaler. <laughs> Thumbs down. <laughs> Unknown to the Duke, the marriage is actually a scheme concocted by his wife and the Multiverse to gain worldwide whaling rights for themselves. An anthropomorphic shark named Ice and his game of sharks decide... Gang of sharks. Game of sharks is my least favorite favorite HBO television program. It's just awful. Ice, a shark gangster. Yeah. His gang of sharks. See, they decide to let an iceberg sink the Titanic. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not. Wait, no, no, can I guess what happens next? Do the anthropomorphic fish gang push the iceberg into the way of the oncoming ship? Close. They fool an octopus named Tentacles into heaving an iceberg to the surface of the ocean by concealing the plan in the form of a bet to see who can throw ice the farthest. So, you know, a much gone, more gone believed wow. scheme. You know what? I thought I was stretching a little bit with my thing, and then you just blew me, no pun intended, out of the fucking water. So the boat starts sinking. It sure does. And it sure did. And the mice try to rewire the telegraph wires so that they can send out a distress signal. Several whales and dolphins arrive to help with the rescue. The humans save all the good guys. The bad guys aren't arrested, I guess. And the film ends with old Connors and Stella back in modern-day New York, and Connors telling his grandchildren that whales are still hunted today. Stella then says, Your grandfather loves to tell stories, but like all sailors, you shouldn't take him too seriously. Which is weird because Connors just has made this real good point about the whaling industry, and she's like, don't really listen, because I guess she's part of big whaling now. Oh, yeah. But well, I, real... do, I do like the, the little like meta-narrative twist that they're doing where they're like, oh, well, you know, some stories are completely made yeah. up, just like this one. It's cute. So I know what you're thinking. Uh, Yeah, what am I thinking? Uh, shouldn't the sequel to this movie be about the human characters and the animal characters discovering Atlantis? Fuck off. No, 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 no. What? Uh, the 2004 sequel, Tentacolino, also known as Alla Recurca del Titanic, which is In Search of the Titanic, is a 2004 animated film where uh, Elizabeth, their dog Smile, and the mice Connors and Ronnie, and Elizabeth's husband Juan, explore the ocean together in search of the second wreck of the Titanic, the ship they were all on. Doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> They're all a hundred years old. Well, here's the thing. A shark named Ice Teeth cuts the cable of oh the Oh my god, wait, hang on. It. This is the best movie ever made. Yeah, what's up? It's me, Ice Teeth the Shark. <laughs> Gonna solve some crimes with Richard Belther. There's like a pun in there somewhere probably, because like, bath of beer, there's like a bell thing. I don't know. Ice Teeth. That's Paul F. Tompkins' impression of Ice Teeth. <laughs> and John Mulaney's and Fred Armisen's. It's yeah. all the same. So they find the lost city of Atlantis. So this god is just dead, I guess. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, Ronnie and Top Connors are approached by other mice and attend a secret meeting where they learn about a plot to steal the elixir of life. <laughs> god. So I guess that's like the B story. The mice steal the elixir and present it to their leader, but he rejects it. You know fractal geometry, how it just kind of like has that really focused base and then kind of unfurls outward into 
these like infinite strands where you just kind of lose yourself i feel like we're at that stage in the narrative of titanic yeah i feel like in the first part we were just waiting for the dmt to kick in and now the dmt <laughs> has kicked in and it's not fun and we're gonna be dead in under 30 in, like, seconds man it so as a reward the king of atlantis assists in the titanic's recovery and enlisting, enlisting the help of tentacles the giant friendly octopus from the first movie you know i thought it was really bold when they decided to, to put titanic into the dc cinematic <laughs> universe but i think they really pulled it off what i like is that this movie is called tentacolino but tentacles doesn't apparently appear until the end of the movie mm. and then the king transports the titanic wreck to the bay of a secret island so I don't know what drugs they're doing in Italy, but I want them. <laughs> it sounds amazing. And the crown fucking jewel, Titanic, The Legend Goes On, which is also Italian, <laughs> a 2000 Italian animated feature film about the sinking of the RMS Titanic, written and directed by Camillo Teddy. It's another movie about classism and, and a romance, and aboard the cargo are a group of animals, including a family of Yiddish mice, some geese, a dog named Fritz, a magpie named Hector, and a band of Mexican mice. So I could go into the really dumb story about like pretending to be rich and loving people for who they are and like classism and romance conquers all, uh, or how it rips off American Tail and A Little Mermaid, or how the animation's super cheap and the voice acting is terrible, but none of that matters because this is an Italian animated movie about the RMS Titanic and it features a rapping dog. My name is Rex, and I'm here to no, say no, no. I got worms in a major way. So I'm giving Tom headphones, and he's gonna listen. I'm looking for. You guys should be. Able to if it hadn't been for you, I would be now in someone else's digestion. You know there's something you should know, so I'm gonna tell you so. Don't sweat it. <laughs> Enjoy the show. Right? Right? It's pretty fantastic. Oh. Oh, oh my fucking god. I literally was about to say, oh, I can imagine this in, like, the intro to an 80s movie where they need to get, like, the character, and so they see him, you know, walking down the New York road with a, with a fucking boombox over his shoulder. Yeah, you know, so this is a movie about the Titanic, and in it it features, you know, a rapping dog. And this cutscene of a chef trying to get the cheese back that the mice are stealing. What do you think? What what are you, what are your thoughts on this? Um, I mean, like, okay, there's a. Oh, here he is. This is Look so terrifying. Why is he? Oh my oh, god. Oh, he's so bendy. He's like, guys, a, you really gotta go watch this. It's Titanic, the animated movie. It's party time. It's on YouTube. It has over nine hundred thousand views. I, you you need to see this. They're trying to do like animation, oh, like curves or whatever, where the the body changes to simulate motion but instead the dog just ends up looking like this ever shifting homunculus yeah like a like like a demon and those are the titanic movies and how there's kind of only probably like two good ones <laughs> well Lena, and that was the ship that sank a lot <laughs> Lena, that was a great story i really enjoyed the rapping dog and i hope we get to see him again on media majors why don't we hear from another show on the network? Take it away. How does that have anything to do with Down the Wire? Not because I thought of it last minute. <laughs> and because the Titanic was down to the wire when it was rescued. I guess so. 
Hey, I'm Liam. And I'm Eric, and we host an anime podcast. Hold on, hold on. It's it's funny. I, I don't like anime. And I do like anime. And we watch it, and we review it, and I well, try Well, I review it, and then you derail everything. Yes. Uh, it's called the Shmanime Podcast. It's on the Major Cast Network every other Wednesday. Do we commit to that? When did that happen? Oh, fuck, it's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> every other Tuesday. <laughs> On the major cast network or iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Probably. Oh, what an excellent advertisement. I want to check out that show. Me too. Tom, weave me a dream tale. Prelude. X-Men Origins. Dayak. Dennis Dayak and his development studio Silicon Knights are, or rather were, big names in the games industry with an impressive pedigree of games that haven't aged particularly well, such as Blood Omen, Legacy of Cain, and Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. First of all, flag on the play. Too many buzzwords. (laughs) Too many metal band words in your video games. You get one. Though Dayak would go on to dissolve much of the goodwill between his company and the broader gaming community and industry, our story takes place in 2011 before Dayak burns any bridges. Silicon Knights had just come off of a massive failure, the game Too Human, panned by critics and consumers alike. However, many hold out hope for their upcoming title, 2011's X-Men Destiny, and this is where our story begins. I remember X-Men Destiny. Chapter X. Fuck off. The game was first greenlit in 2009 by none other than Activision. This means that Silicon Knights has that big money behind their game. You would be able to pick and choose your mutant powers, they said. You would be able to play as new mutants and fight alongside the heroes and villains of the X-Men universe, they said. You would be able to shape your destiny, they They said. said. Were it any other team... Gamers may have been more skeptical, but this was Silicon Knights we were talking about. Yeah, they fumbled a bit on Too Human, but that was, like, about the biggest game they'd ever made on their own. Their last project was the remake of Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes, which had the backing of Nintendo, so they had a lot of assistance. So surely, you know, they learned from their mistakes with Too Human. Now they know how to work as a AAA development team. Please don't call me Shirley. On July 21st, 2011... Games journalist Andrew McMillan receives an email. Quote, Want a bigger dick? (laughs) Call me the Nigerian king of big dicks and give me your social security card. I am writing... Not the number. I want the card. I am writing you in regards to Silicon Knights' upcoming title, X-Men Destiny. Destiny. Cyrus. Chapter X2, Not So United. Oh, (laughs) Numerous leakers and whistleblowers came forth and responded to further queries from Macmillan. The environment they described painted a grim, chaotic picture of Silicon Knights, like a classic Baroque. And... No, no, no. Hold on. Bad. And... Oh, about to get worse. Shaming you. And, as with any Baroque, there was one man at the center of it all. (laughs) No, that what that, that I liked. Yeah. I liked that one. There you go. I thought that one was good. And his name was, was Dennis Dyack. <laughs> Why is it always funny when I say the same thing as you? Because, because I have no context for it whatsoever. Exactly. Dyack, quote, proudly smiles in staff meetings and describes his role as a benevolent dictatorship. Hey, flag on the play already, homie. Why are you? Don't do that. Dyack is Silicon Knights. 
and Silica Knights is I'm dying. I'm a nice executioner. I'm a cuddly executioner. They are one and the same. A single, unchanging entity, end quote. This manifested in several equally toxic ways. The relationship with the publisher eroded and was often intentionally cryptic. Quote, At Silicon Knights, publishers are viewed with an extremely adversarial perception. Instead of a symbiotic relationship, it was essentially parasitic. The less Activision knew about the goings-on at Silicon Knights, the easier it was for Dennis to spin his web of warped reality with them. End quote. Notes were ignored, requests for updates were ignored, and communications were ignored. There are plenty of reasons this may have been Dyak's approach to a publisher-developer relationship, but one in particular sticks out. Side development of a demo for Eternal Darkness 2. See, Eternal Darkness was Silicon Knights' kind of their big game. It was it was critically and commercially lauded. Everybody loved it because it did all this like weird shit. I think the game is not very good, but you know what? That's that that was not the perception at the time. Gotcha. And so they want to make a sequel. So a squeakquel. See, it's not uncommon for developers to be working on multiple projects at once. Many devs will work on their own game while under contract for another. This has always been the case, and publishers are more or less willing to just kind of roll with it. It's a great way to build a pitch reel for publishers, which is exactly what this demo was meant to be. But under Dyak's leadership, what is normally commonplace in the games industry became anything but. Multiple sources estimated that the split between Destiny and Darkness 2 internally was about 60-40, as far as, you know, workers being allocated. And that's, that's a fucking ludicrous ratio. Some alleged that the Destiny staff were being siphoned off, made to work on the Darkness 2 demo. To this day, we have never seen this demo. From the sound of things, it barely made it past one interior area. So if this is how a man treats a publisher, one of the biggest in the game, no less, how do you think he treats his employees? Dyak, quote, repeatedly stated to the company that artists are a dime a dozen and can be replaced. Sounds like a great guy. The inciting incident for the whistleblowing email sent to Macmillan was the following. Quote, Silicon Knights executive team has just recently implemented a new policy to discredit all employees who have recently resigned. This includes employees who have worked on it for between six months and three years. Three fucking years. Between 35 to 45 former employees will fail to have their credits appear in the game. I am certain that if you contacted former and current Silicon Knights employees and offered them anonymity, you would receive evidence of an appalling antipathy for management towards employees, publishers, and the quality of their games. Leaving the staff's name off credits is consistent with Dennis's attitude towards former Silicon Knights employees. If you leave Silicon Knights, you are a traitor, and he will do whatever he can to fuck you by denying you the validation of a finished game credit. This includes bad-mouthing employees with upwards of 10 years' experience the day they are out the door. <gasps> End quote. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Petty man. That was... Petty, petty man. A real Adobe brick I just uh -huh. dumped on you, didn't I? It should also be noted that Dyak's wife was the head of HR at Silicon Knights. <laughs> nice. Which means that, like, what? <laughs> I think her name was Joanne. I'm sorry if I'm misremembering that. So um, that basically means if you had a problem and went to HR, you were just giving your problem straight to the horse's mouth. Joanne, listen, I think your husband's a real, real cock. He's a real <laughs> cockbag. It's a douchebag filled with cocks. In 2011, 
On the Silicon Knights website, a photo of 120 developers, Dyak included, sat proudly on display. According to Macmillan's sources around 2012, at that time, there were maybe 45. Yowza. Chapter X3, Dyak's Last Stand. Nice. Yeah. With very little progress having been made, Dyak went to Activision to ask for an extension. Here's what they did. Activision publicly announced the game, released a trailer, and plastered the Knights' logo all over it, which is, frankly, kind of fucking rad. That's so badass. I know. Are you kidding? That's the best. They, yeah, they totally called his bluff. So what's happening here, for those not well-versed in publisher-developer relationships, is a sort of, if I'm going down, you're going down with me scenario. Activision is good at what they do. They know that Dyak is full of it. So if they say, you know what, all right, bud, you say you've been making progress, then I guess you're ready to go. And if what you release is garbage, so be it. We've already sunk too much money into this to let you just fucking jerk us around. So they put this this trailer out there with their name. Everybody goes, oh, yeah, Silicon Knights is making an Xbox game. Sweet. X-Men game. So basically, this forces the Knights to get serious about development, which, according to internal sources, they had not been up until this point. <laughs> Assholes. <laughs> no, no, no. Let's... Uh, asshole. Singular. Asshole. And maybe his wife? Clearly, <laughs> Like, doing this sort of breach of interest. There are, there, are, there are, like, programmers and game designers that would kill to make an X-Men game like this, and these people are just, like, Pissing wasting everybody's time and money so the knights go into full-on crisis mode all development refocuses onto destiny and crunch time begins quote at this point they also started instituting a six day a week 10 hour a day minimum crunch that lasted and got worse until they shipped this is pretty common in the video game industry crunch time it's fucking real and it it like wears on you that sucks chapter four X-Men Apocalypse. <laughs> All right, we'll skip a couple, but yeah. The game was released in North America on September 27th, 2011. And everyone loved it. In an attempt to stymie the negative reaction, review copies were only provided to journalists the day before release. <laughs> on Metacritic, the highest scoring version game is on the PS3 and holds Liam, give me a good guess. 38. 50 oh, though okay. uh, i believe the ds version has a 33 sales estimates put the game at, at fifty-five thousand sales on release week which for an activision published x-men game is like fucking absurd it is to this day considered one of the greatest disasters in video game history Amazing. the game is terrible if you want a good quick taste you can watch uh polygons newly promoted reviews editor phil collar play it with anthony carboni on uh here's a dumb game <laughs> but our story does not end there we got to know what happens to mr didac chapter five first ass ah. <laughs> on may 19th 2013 dennis didac timely as ever releases a video response to mcmillan's october 2012 <laughs> kotaku article was his response video delayed in production <laughs> two years <laughs> just weren't really serious about it look, uh, look video video cameras are a dime a dozen uh the article what went wrong with silicon knights x-men destiny from which a lot of the information is for the story has been pulled i recommend for anybody who wants a more in-depth a uh, lot more quotes from sources check that out we're looking at you eric <laughs> <laughs> dyak does not release this video as an independent entity 
he does so officially through the YouTube channel of his new company, Precursor Games. Dumb name. Uh, the knights were, even though still they were, they were still under his leadership. They were uh, at this at the time of this video embroiled in a doomed legal battle with Epic. They would go on to file bank for bankruptcy the following year. Mm. In the video, Dyak makes some strange claims, namely that quote accusations about me embezzling money from Activision and being terrible to people are not true, and quote. The quotes in the article say that Silicon Knights split from Nintendo due to the name of the console and the Wii's limited graphics. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. These claims are strange because the article never alleges either thing. Weird. It mentions it mentions that uh, Silicon Knights split from Nintendo and that some people thought, like, you know, maybe... Activision is a little less of a hands-on publisher. Nintendo has a really rigorous seal of quality, so maybe they were more invested. And so when they split, they gave they had too uh, Silicon Knights had too much freedom and abused uh, that. And it also, you know, I, I guess maybe he thinks that like by saying that they were using money to like fund the Eternal Darkness too, that it was embezzling. But the article clearly states that that's like a commonplace practice. Mm -hmm. So maybe he was actually embezzling money from Activision. The world may never know. The video is, frankly, a bizarre, disjointed, poorly scripted 33-minute rant against Kotaku. It's 33 fucking minutes long. At least Randy Quaid had the decency <laughs> to make his lunacy video short. Uh, it's a 33-minute rant against Kotaku that, at its core, misunderstands the nature and purpose of the press. Here's how he here's 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 how he sort of signs out. Quote, I have made a lot of mistakes. I have said a lot of things that I shouldn't have said. I have done some things that I regret. And all I can say is that I have learned from them, that I have changed the way that I think about things, and I really want to move forward in a positive way and focus on what I do best, which I think is focusing on creative. End quote. I think it's possible, if not likely, that he maybe just didn't read the Kotaku article because that's the most that's like Dennis the basic can you, uh, can apology you... that you print out from the internet. Yeah, Dennis, can you tell me what things that you think you're talking about? Regrets? And I've made a few. The video offers no real explanation for the quality game and instead focuses more on selling Precursor Games Kickstarter for, you guessed it, a spiritual sequel to Eternal Darkness. Both the first and second Kickstarter attempts failed, and it remains unlikely that Dyak's reputation will ever recover. Like... <laughs> and that's the end of my Dude, story. Dude, you made it, like, like, give up. <laughs> Usually I'm for following your dreams, but Dennis, give up. The I, world has told you no. I mean, like, you've got this successful pedigree, and then you fuck it up like that, that Hardcore, bad yeah and then and then to like hammer the nails into your own coffin Fuck coffin into your own fucking coffin you failed twice at a kickstarter which is very sad i can imagine that that's a personally devastating thing but also fuck this guy he twice though he failed the kickstarter twice yeah you know fool me once F failed kickstarter once shame on you fool me twice indiegogo <laughs> fool me three times go fund me go fund yourself so sometimes we talk about bummer stuff. Not today. Today no, was today fun. No, today was fine, yeah. And I think we very intentionally did that because there are some very unfortunate things going on in, uh, in the games industry right now. 
that we're not going to get into, I don't think. No. Or should we? No. But hey, you know what? But maybe. Believe women, guys. Anyways, yeah. self-care corner is a thing. You go. I started playing Shadow of the Colossus. Who boy, what a fun time. I'm stepping into Tom's world. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, my God. All the colors are reversed. <laughs> It's like a film what? <laughs> Up is down, black is white. I took a bunch of ecstasy before recording. <laughs> it's really fun. If you haven't played it, there's a remaster coming out, so plug. Yeah, plug for Sony. Guys. Go give me money. Okay. No, there's this small company named Sony, and we think that they <laughs> could really use our help. Your turn. Yeah, you know what? My 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 self care corner this week is I get to sit down with my best my best pals, Liam and Jane. Zig and Zig, Lola, Shay. Not Tiny. Esme though. She's Never crazy. Esme. We got Tom into Degrassi, and it's been Degrassi next class, new class. Degrassi next class, next which class. is technically still. Like season nineteen of and the next generation. It's good lord. So fucking good. Y'all don't be surprised if my self-care corner every week from now on is I watched a grassy new class and it was incredible. There is a whole fourteen seasons of a prequel waiting for you. I know, and I'm really excited to sink this'll be like I'm stepping into your world. Oh my god, what's wrong with all the colors here? Yeah, they're all red. Oh, all boy. I see is red. Oh, man. That's the secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Oh, boy. Hulk. What if instead of turning into Hulk, he would shit himself? <laughs> I mean, I don't think that would be a very useful superpower to the Avengers. I'd watch a whole movie where Mark Ruffalo cast to keep running to a bathroom. I think you're talking about The Big Short. Was Mark Ruffalo in The Big Short? Yeah, he was. Who was Mark Ruffalo in The Big Short? Couldn't fucking tell you. Wait, I'm thinking about the one about the Catholic sex abuse, aren't I? Oh boy, you think about um, you're thinking about uh, 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 Spotlight. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Was he in Spotlight? Yeah, with Michael Keaton and. Wait a second! I'm stepping into Liam's world, and I realize that I don't know what the fuck any movie Mark Ruffalo has ever been in. I don't know if he was in. No, I think he was in Spotlight. He was in. He was definitely in Spotlight. He was in. Now you see me one and two. Are we just naming? He was in the kids. All right. Yeah, that's right. This is the filmographers now. <gasps> crossover holy shit all right let's get out of here yeah uh, fuck this we'll be, dumb show we'll be there for you we'll be there for you thanks for listening to the major casts network stay fun stay nasty and stay major